0: Welcome back to the podcast. It's your boys from (laughs) S3 Magazine. Today we are joined by Scott Weiss from Koenig Wheels. All right, guys, we are a magazine, S3 Magazine, www.s3mag.com. $20, two-year subscription, and a free t-shirt that I'm not currently wearing, but you can get one. (laughs) Um, So... Like we said in the intro, whichever intro we chose to use, we have Scott from Koenig. Scott, you've been with Koenig how long?
1: Uh, 15 years.
0: 15 years. And so how old not is Koenig?
2: As, as, as long as Hunter's. Uh, of... Pretty much. <laughs> uh, let's see.
1: Uh, Koenig was technically established uh, the end of 81. So I guess it makes it almost about the same age as me. It's, uh, it's I guess, about... 30, almost 40 years old at this point.
0: Nice. And okay. you are a car guy, right?
3: No. No, nah, I hate some. No. He said 15 years. Cool You're well out. No, but, uh,
0: but, uh, but I
1: enjoy a good game of Frisbee. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yes,
3: he He's smart. I always say Frisbee is the way to go. You'll save yeah. so much <laughs> tears and heartache if you well, just you know, go buy a Frisbee. Buy two. I think.
1: I think the interesting part about uh, Frisbees is that when we are at a show setting up and you have you look around and the guys with the clutches come in with one suitcase and like (laughs) they like put a tablecloth on and they put their three (laughs) clutches out and they're like, whoo,
3: that was hard. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like
1: and we're like dripping full of sweat (laughs) trying to put the wheels on the racks and like hold up. And yeah, so that's when right about the time you wish that you sold Frisbees.
3: Yeah, I hear you. I often say I wish that we just took up Frisbee or bowling or something like that. Just keep it nice and easy. For some reason, we picked a difficult hobby, but it's a fun one. Before you got on, we were just talking. Would you rather have a uh, Focus RS or a Type R? Wow. Like,
2: mm.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. I know.
2: Uh, That's what we were just talking
3: about. We were like, oh man, that's,
1: you know, what's interesting to me. I think that it also relates to what kind of a car person you are. Right. I think that there's some cars when you, when you're a car person, you can, I I think if you're a really good enthusiast and not just there for a moment, Mm -hmm. you can appreciate automotive and like, I can appreciate off-road stuff just as well as I can appreciate well-built, uh, you know, tuner cars or exotic cars, but there always becomes these part these certain segments or cars that resonate with you that you kind of get stuck with right i've never been a huge honda guy i've built a couple i've tried to own one it just for me it doesn't it's not my place right now i, I like the focus rs if i think if i'm going to pick one
4: now, hold on here before tough. before we get your answer <laughs> i am the opposite of a honda guy i've never liked hondas Right. Respect them for most of my car enthusiast life. <laughs> I, so I love the Type R. Phenomenal it's good car.
1: car. It's a good car, unless you plan mm. on
3: hot lapping it out of the box. Right.
4: Well, same can be said for a Focus RS. Yeah, Focus RS
3: kind of <laughs> has the same issue. It cooks so, its all wheel drive. Yeah. You know, so I, which one just speaks to you? Which one? I mean, like, take all the, you know, well, uh, maybe in 20 years, this one's worth more money. Take that out. Like, if you just had to go buy one tomorrow like which one makes you giggle like i don't know you know listen i think that the
1: i don't want to say purest to me but like i think i'd have to take the type r uh-huh. but but it's more for the legacy that i don't think i think the one, when you break the two cars apart right mm-hmm. i think the thing that separates those two cars is the the legacy behind it right it's the pedigree behind it because yeah. You know, Ford came around and, you know, I mean, yeah, you could kick it back to like the whole Cosworth type of movement. Yeah, but yeah. at the end of the day, Ford came around and, you know, really brought that the the ST and the RS, you know. I mean, you could argue if you want to go to Europe and stuff like that. But <laughs> yeah. um I just don't know that I feel that, you know, Ken, don't get me wrong. Ken Block and, and a lot of their rally things did did wonders for that brand and that segmentation. But there's something like if you're into import tuning that you've always kind of held in your heart with that type R thing, you know? Yeah. I feel
2: that, I feel
1: that. But I like the RS, especially the blue one. You give me a blue RS, you know, with a little bit of arrow on the thing and I think it looks super proper.
3: Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I don't have an answer. And I didn't intend for the podcast to be about the RS or the Type R, but that's literally what we were talking about when you popped on. I've driven both. Obviously, I've driven the Type R much more and Mm -hmm. harder, um, but the Focus RS is super fun on the street because it's everything that you want a little street terror. It's like a bully. You know what I mean? It's like the little bully, and it's a blast, and it's awesome. The Type R is very forgiving, and it's a little track weapon out of the box, and it does more than the numbers would let you think it can do. And I don't know. I kind of I like the rowdiness of the RS, and I like the purity of the Type R. So,
1: here's a question for Hunter. So, Hunter, you got you have an RS. No. No. St. St. Uh, So, with your St, do you ever drive it and feel like, man, I should have manned up and just got the RS, or? Like, do so, you think the ST
0: is a good good look for you?
3: That's a good question because he has an ST3, which I guess you got it before the RS was a thing, or no? I don't remember. Yeah,
0: the RS came around. Hold on. So the reason that this conversation came up was because I actually had the opportunity this past week to beat up uh, an RS on a canyon run. Um, so we, Mike's been, you know, thinking about the possibility of buying one, and so I was like, "Hey, I got to drive one. This is what I thought. Um, my ST is." not just like your regular basic bolt on it's big turbo like woolly said it's the st3 so it's got you know it's the fully loaded it's basically the same interior package as the rs just without the alcantara um so uh, with that being said my car in its big turbo form versus like your bolt-on rs i personally liked my car more the rs was definitely more refined you know but with the big turbo and the st and you know the rowdiness of the torque steer it just it just felt more spirited more fun granted i'm sure you could throw the big turbo on the rs and make it just as rowdy Um, The all-wheel drive system was super weird because I'm adjusted to the ST, you know, pulling me out of corners Very violently pulling me out of corners versus the RS just kind of dug in and just kind of floated out of it Which is really cool. So I agree with you and it really just depends on the type of car guy that you are because if you you know for me like I like the kind of the added challenge of you know the mystery of how the car is going to come out and with the front-wheel drive and kind of manning up and handling the torque steer versus it didn't feel as fun floating out but if you're more of like you know the Jason Owens or the Brian Tysons or whatever who want every last second then yeah the RS is for you so that's kind of my take on it
1: so with with everything he just said you know what the only words that kind of kept resonating in my head were mm-hmm. This guy doesn't have enough time behind a really fast rear-wheel drive car.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. you know,
1: yeah. it's incredible when you see how quickly and how uh, how different. Like I was always in, like you guys know this. I've always been like a DSM guy, right? So I mean, not anymore, but uh, you know, for for you know for years and years and years, that's what I did, and I built a lot of them, and. Uh, I was oh, you know there were always all, all-wheel drive I hated getting a GST or something like that it was just like to me it was like a waste of time I mean that was your that was your love
3: but um well <laughs> i I had a GST because I couldn't afford the GSX and I and I was honestly when I got that car probably too young to really realize I put the value of the turbo that's what I wanted the turbo the all-wheel drive I was like well I gotta call it somewhere and I can't afford it so I'm fine you know, and I didn't realize at that time how much all-wheel drive changed the game. And then no. I just made excuses to justify my GST is basically what I did. I understand. And listen, here's the thing. It's not
1: to knock anybody, but, you know, there is a there's an extremely large difference. And then, you know, like I moved into like some of the rear-wheel drive stuff, like, I mean, my 350. But I've driven some rear-wheel drive cars that have some power. Mike knows about kind of playing with that stuff, you know, even if you don't want to, even if you want to put the the Mustang down as not a a horsepower thing, but it's, you know, it's got a good torque. And so the rear wheel drive cars, a lot of them, they rotate just so well. And, you know, it's a difference of pointing the car and then using the gas to drive. Right. And that's like a weird feeling. But when you kind of start to get into it, it's it's almost um, I don't want to say uh, it's really addicting. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, it, you know, even from a guy who is all-wheel driving, you know, the one thing about all-wheel drive cars is that, you know, when you put them in a corner and you take them around, they tend to really hold way tighter. And they're way more readable and they're consistent and mm-hmm. you can really – and a lot of them, you know, the all-wheel drive systems, they're just so rear-wheel drive biased. So mm-hmm. you're still getting a little bit of that push out, but
3: um, – yeah. Yeah, but then you get that's, that like pull forward. I don't know. That's what I remember, and it's been like four years now. But that's what I remember about the RS is you could whoop that thing in a ninety degree like just there's a street whoop and it would come around and then just immediately fix itself. You just kind of stay in it. But that yeah. car also had three thousand miles on it. It was a press car, three thousand miles, and they were on the second set of tires. <laughs> and they were yeah. like, please <laughs> just don't like you know just be careful and
0: don't feel like please.
3: And that's Please just problem. don't hit
0: a mailbox. Right? Right? No, cuz it's okay. all
3: drive. I'm fine. You also um, you
0: also you also find yourself you have to justify, you know, if we're still talking about the ST versus the RS, you have to justify the price difference as well. well um, so like at the first engine, then,
3: the engine yeah. difference. See, the GST GSX same engine, but they went and changed the engine in the RS and honestly, it's not panning out as well um, as far as I mean, durability.
0: It did it did have its head gasket issues and whatnot. For those that don't know, the ST is a 2.0. The RS is a 2.3. But, like, when they first came out, the RS was staying around 45 out the door, somewhere around there. And, you know, like, I got in my ST for 27. Um, but now they've come down. Like, my mm-hmm. buddy, it was my buddies that I got to drive. He got his. It had 20,000 miles on it. He picked it up for 26 out the door. So, you know what you brand know what, under what I paid for mine. Go ahead. But
1: you know what's an interesting point? What's an interesting point is that when you ask the question uh about the type R versus the RS, now like flip flip the question around, right? If you now let's say hey, if you had $34,000 technically to buy a car what would you rather get? Would you rather get a used RS or a newer Type R? Yes, I know everybody's going to argue that there's premiums on the Type R's and stuff. But, like, <laughs> let's go MSRP for a second and just say there's a, there's a value difference there. It changes the question a little bit, you know?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, All the RSs right, what... are depreciating hard, as do anything with an ST badge yeah. on yeah. it. And yeah. the Type R's are not. Right. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, well, but what I'm saying is the the cash in for what you're gonna get right up
1: front is different. Yeah. I so I think I ultimately get stuck
0: back in the type R again.
1: Well, just off.
0: well how about No wrong you answer. You sound bummed buying? about it. <laughs> what do you think about just buying, like you said, thirty-four thousand dollars for a front wheel drive car when you could pay the t- you know twenty six to thirty for an all wheel drive and a bigger motor. Yeah. How do you feel about that?
1: Well, first off, I think that when you start to look at cars, especially nowadays, it's really hard to to, to compare displacement to power. And the reason oh, yeah. is because direct-injected uh, cars change that whole game up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there, you can make a lot more power with a direct-injected car – Uh, even if you don't have uh, the displacement. So I think there's that. And I also think that it really depends on what you're planning on doing, right? If you're going to drive a car out of the box and never change a damn thing on it, then there's there's another factor there. If you're the guy that's going to modify the car, now you have to start looking at it from another direction. You have to say, well, which one's going to have more support, which one's going to be easier to tune, and which one will have the more reliability to push past the envelope. And that's so now you're starting to, like, open up the, the metrics and say, all right, well, how does this thing play out on paper? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Tough. All right. Uh, so we've been arguing over three cars. What's that, Jesse?
2: I think from a tuner standpoint, that's a good point is what you're looking at for the aftermarket because everything we touch, we're changing every day. And, and we can be happy with something for a little bit, but we're going to get used to it and we're going to want to modify it some more. So – from, from that aspect, I'm, I'm pulling the Type R every day.
1: How many times have you guys been online at, like, uh, I don't know, let's pick an arbitrary number, 1 a.m., when and, like, you're just scrolling through car parts and your stuff, and you don't have a ton of money, right? So uh-huh. you're, like, looking for something that's reasonably priced. You're like, if I could just find something for under 100, 150 bucks that I could do to my car— Yeah, all right. I'll just, and you just kind of like keep going through and looking for stupid stuff. Next thing you know, you're like on the decal page. Like, (laughs) you're like, give me anything.
2: (laughs) I bought a Jeep. I've got a Jeep now. So I'm doing that for all the billions of little things they make for JKs right now. My big problem is I'm looking at
3: cars. Like, every at that (laughs) 1 a.m. thing, I'm like, Let's see what I'm gonna put a max price of fifteen hundred because I could beat them down to a thousand. Let's see what's that. And I got well, too many stupid hobbies. Like I'm like, oh, let's look for kayaks. <laughs> let's look no,
0: for, that's, let's, yeah, I, I don't need. let look for more have,
3: bikes because that's what I, I don't.
1: I'm. I don't have that problem, but I do have the car problem. I'm always. I feel like I'm on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace constantly. Well, how
3: many cars do you have? Not many. Now I
1: don't have that many. No, no, no. I like when we, okay. I sold pretty much. I sold a lot of stuff. You know, I have the three fifty, um, and then uh, you know I have my daily driver. Really, you know, my my wife's truck. But like, I don't have. I got rid of everything else. I just have this thing about cars, and now I'm at that stage in my car life where now I just have a bunch of bucket list builds that I haven't done yet. Mm. Yeah, and I'm like. I want to get these things done, but then, like before, like just before, I saw this car in New Jersey, not too far away. Um, it's a '95 3000 GT VR4 Spider, oh. for, 40,000 miles, and somebody put it up for 7,500 bucks. And I can't figure out if it's like one of those bait scams or <laughs> if it's like an old guy that's had it in his garage and now he's getting ready to part with it. Yeah, and, like I'm too. I'm
3: too like, oh, well, I don't really want to spend 7500 bucks but I really want the car. And, like, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. That's kind of an investment car, though, man. Like, yeah. just to go ahead and push you over the Maybe. edge and tell you you should do it. I think so, man. I think it's such a rarity that it, it's always going to kind of be an impulse thing for somebody. I, I don't like know. I'm this... with you, though. Like, what I've noticed is I'm really bad about, like, All right. So the era of a car speaks to me. Like some people, they read history books or they watch the history channel or whatever. Like to me, like I feel like when I get into like I like doo-wop, right? I like 50s, late 50s doo-wop music or whatever. It makes me want a car from that era. Like that's how my brain works. I'm like, I want to get an old like 20s hot rod and do it like they would have done it in the 50s. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I can touch that kind of stuff, you know, like. I don't know. That's why I like these early 90s cars, because that was a rad time when I was a kid. And I feel like I'm going back like I can. It's just I don't know. There's something about it. And that's what's wrong with me. And that's why every car I see, I'm like, that needs to be saved. That was a cool time period. And I need to get that car, you know, like I think about all the cars
1: that I sold or got rid of that now I wish I just didn't. You know.
3: Yeah, I don't have that problem because I, I don't get rid of them. never gets rid of them. Well, <laughs> well
1: yeah, we, we yeah, we know. Uh, I
3: yeah, I still I got rid of the GST and that was to get the nine eleven. That was and I wasn't driving the GST. I just basically fixed it to sell it so I could get the nine eleven. Yeah, but that was a that was a good that was a good trade. That was a smart move. But the other day, I saw a lower GSX 2G on somebody's news feed, and it got me bad, man. I'm like, those cars can probably
4: go buy it for three thousand dollars. So just go,
3: man. That's the problem. Go back and look, and everybody gave up on the cars, and now they're well.
1: But here's the thing. We've come full circle. Every platform does it, right? Uh, Every platform goes through that period where they're around, everybody there, the price drops. Then all of a sudden they get hacked to crap. Then there's none left. Then the price starts to go up. And then the guys that have clean cars can fetch a lot of money for them. Mm -hmm. And that's where those DSMs are. And I think that I really believe that you know, five, six, seven years from now, um, I think that's going to happen with the 350s. I think mm-hmm. it's gonna, I think it's gonna start to come full circle on that car, because uh, I think that you're seeing the same thing. Think about two forties. Two I mean, there's garbage two forties up here. I mean, garbage. <laughs> yeah. there's
0: and a garbage. Two forty in my
3: garage. Wait, but but like but like I <laughs> have to go far to see a garbage. <laughs> how, how much did you get the car for? Uh
0: three hundred yeah. bucks.
1: Okay, what I'm saying to you is your car, when it would when it ran and had its stuff in up here, would still be going for like three or four grand. Ooh. These people, like, they're out of control.
3: That's not. This is what Tim Neely was yeah, talking about the other day. This not have
0: rust, too. So
3: <laughs> I see it, and me and Hunter just kind of wrote an article about a G35 that was kind of along those lines of like those two cars, the Z and the G35. They're they're not, obviously, they're not the lightest car. They're not the most powerful car, but it's, like, a good setup. It's rear-wheel drive. It makes good power that you can enjoy on the street without hitting mailboxes, you know, and and, and it's just, it's a good sports coupe, right? Like, it just is, yeah. and I feel like people are going to start to realize that, you know? Like, eventually, when you get tired of all the big numbers and the dream cars and all that, you're like, wait a second, man. This car is a pretty dang good enjoyable daily durable car you know yeah. that i can drive and they made a crap ton of them yeah. so i think right. you said 6 or 7 years and i think that might happen up north down south they're still kind of everywhere it might be more like 12 years but i do mm-hmm. i do agree that all of a sudden they're all getting drifted they're all getting tracked they're all getting crashed and then everybody's going to be like damn where the where wait like where are the decent <laughs> ones you know and yeah. it's going to it's going to go up again
1: you know i think okay. when it comes down to the 350 and stuff like that think about how many cars would you agree that you can get a fairly decent one even with high mileage for like 5k easy all right yeah. so yeah. take that for a that second now, yeah what other car for 5k can you buy that has almost aluminum everything has a carbon fiber drive shaft that comes from the factory
0: are <laughs> you, you pay a little
1: bit yeah i, I know the stock drive shafts are carbon fiber um so, like, when you start to think about uh, uh, the rear, that it doesn't matter. If you get the more advanced packages, you're getting Brembo brakes and you're getting, you know, a vicious L- uh, LSD. Um, if you don't get it, you get an open diff and you take the damn thing out. And for 100 bucks, to Joe Bubba at the store there, he'll weld you up. And you got, you you know what I'm saying? And, like, now all of a sudden you have, like, a, you know, a fully
3: welded diff. I, look, I, I look, at Mike, look at Mike's face as he's going, <laughs> wait. So I can get a three fifty. <laughs> 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 you're, you're cheap. Um, but, no, yeah, oh, I shit. agree, and I didn't know that. I've Already
4: too. been down this rabbit hole. I, I'm not going again.
3: Um, I mean, I agree. Like, I don't know about up there, down here, because they're so affordable. You said five. It's more like thirty five hundred.
1: See, up here, it's but, more cheap. expensive.
3: Yeah, they're cheap, and so it, they've got the stigma, which is also what Hunter wrote about in the issue that's about to come out. Is like. You see the stigma. They pull up to the meat. They're driven by teenagers. They got yeah. classy dipped OEM wheels through the exhaust cutoff. And so you get this this stigma for the car. But if you can get outside of that and be like, hey, I'm going to think for myself today and not for the stereotype. Like, yeah, it's like you're saying. And, and I didn't realize the carbon drive shaft and all that. That makes it even sweeter. I don't know why we all don't have one. And it, well, and it's got
1: a ton of aftermarket support. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's an interesting car. And there are some, there are some drawbacks, right? Like, um, I don't believe the VQ is the best engine ever. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that there are some interesting pieces to the car that make it a little difficult to work on sometimes. Um, but you know, so you have to use a little ingenuity and you have to really have a decent, uh, toolbox. You know what I mean? Like this, don't pick up the craftsman set. And then think you're going to be knocking this car out, um, you know. I mean, I've I've really come up with a, a great assortment of this car of some really interesting, like you know, um, uh, different sockets and attachments and, and, st- and stuff. Like, oh, it's true because when you try to get the things, especially if you're trying to, you know, my car's twin turboed, so like, especially now with the turbos, like there's a lot of stuff jammed into that hole. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So trying to change spark plugs or get to the rear O2 sensors or the, you know, that are on the down pipes and trying to, like, you know, it, it takes some, uh, some uh, Tetris-type work. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. That's why I like the Honda, because you can pop the hood and be like, oh, that cute little part right there, bro. Give me a 10 millimeter, <laughs> maybe a 12. I'll have it yeah. out in five
0: minutes. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so you mentioned that you have you, – you personally have a 350Z, and it is – went turbo is there anything else interesting done to it what's your car life like currently
1: um is there anything currently uh, crazy done to it um i mean the car is itself it's so it's an 06 um i got it about 10 years ago it still has twenty three thousand miles on it god Um, damn i mean you've broken turbos yeah no we yeah we have Um,
3: basically (laughs) just change oil in it every six months or so
0: (laughs)
1: No, probably every year, you know, but, um, so yeah, so the cars, you know, we got, we have wheels on it, obviously. Um, you know, I have, I have, uh, well, you know, it's hard cause it starts to go, I'm a little anal when it comes down to cars, right? Like I'm really particular. So like, um, I have coilovers in the car. I have some fortune auto, um, uh, five tens with, with the air cups on the front so I can get oh, over things. Okay. Um, so my whole thing is like I really like the look of like what the you know, you've heard the term OEM plus. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm really driven on making everything look like it came from the factory. It just for some reason, if I'm not gonna rip everything out of the car and turn it into like an absolute just race car, uh then I need everything to work as it should so you know i even went as far to get like you know put the i I ripped the car when they sent me the kit um i ripped the kit apart i took uh you know i took their tank off i took i took a whole bunch of stuff took the compressor off and i basically rewired and moved everything and then i got all pushed and connect fittings and all these different things i ripped all the interior out to do this so i could lay all the the lines in throughout the interior and you know and and basically make it so that everything was hidden or muffled or whatever it was throughout the car and not just plopped into your trunk with a big piece of plexiglass, you know, big piece of plastic. Um, so, so yeah, so the car has got that. Um, I, it's got an Ings LX kit on it from, you know, the good old folks at Ings, um, carbon square mirrors. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, the car is pretty cool. You know, it's got some, stuff in it um i don't know you know it's just it. it's just been a decent car to to drive um when i drive it But <laughs> <That's, laughs> not I mean, that much you live, you live up
4: in new york so like how often <clears> do you actually get to take that thing out where do you take it out yeah
1: so i think i drove the car a lot more before i had kids and then comes the issue that plagues me which is that it's a two-seater and my kids are five and seven And you can't put them into this front seat, so they can never come with me. Um, And so how many times are you going out for a drive by yourself Mm -hmm. uh, where you're not going to (coughs) go to a place where you mind bringing the
3: car? um, Well, and and then if you're not using it, you're always like, ah, screw it. I got to, you know, like uh, that's totally relatable. Like Mm -hmm. with my, you know, I have a 79 911. It's the same thing. It's like, why the hell don't I drive this car more? It's not because... I'm trying to keep it pristine. It's not a pristine car, but it's the same thing. It's like I either have my daughter with me or my mountain bike or I'm running to the store or something. That's when it's like the perfect time. But then you're like, I'm I'm not going to. I got to move.
1: I got to move three cars out of the
3: driveway. I I got to move my girl's power wheel and get this
2: through it. Yeah. yeah.
3: And you just go and it doesn't get driven. But hey, let's talk about wheels, I guess. (laughs) you work for a wheel company and you know a thing or two about this kind of stuff i don't really know where to start because like we mentioned we don't do research for this or even pre-plan it um yeah but i was just thinking when you were talking about the z like i feel like koenig has come so far in the last 10 years or so i mean that totally as a compliment not like a distant like pre 10 years ago or whatever but like i know a lot of that is flow forming and that allows a lot of cool stuff but like then i started thinking like the average dude probably like what is the difference flow forming or or, or oh, some variation of that word is like super used these days so like what is the difference between uh, This is gonna be a lot of questions in one what is the difference between cast flow form forged cast does not necessarily mean it's crap there's a lot of good casting processes and bad casting processes and and i guess if you even want to get in whatever we can go into this later but like the whole real versus fake wheel thing which i feel like was more of a thing like eight years ago than it's a thing now um but anyway for somebody that you know that that's just getting their feet wet and that just um doesn't know the first thing about wheels other than you know they want some like What's the, the the difference here between cast, flow, form, and and uh, forged? I guess we can start there. So,
1: basically, with all those questions you asked me to sum up the entire wheel industry.
2: They, yeah. This
1: podcast might have just gotten a little longer. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, listen, I I think that um, let's see, how do I try to knock down some of those questions without going super uh, I mean,
3: i can talk for a second and you could be like no wrong or or yes that's true well i listen i i think i think that it comes down to a few
1: things i think and again these are going to be my personal opinions right i think that when it comes down to people choosing wheels it's really important that they consider their function their budget um and then once they get through that hurdle find something that really resonates with them and then it's backed up by a quality piece. So I think if you go down that, that list, uh, you know, first off is function. Like, how are you using wheels, right? Mm-hmm. Because like you said, like there's casting technology has come pretty far. So the odds of getting, you know, really from almost any company, um, a cast wheel that's of crap quality is much lower than it's ever been. Right, um, but when we start to talk about functioning use, it's a really big piece, and this is the part that I think people really fall down on. It's your job when you're buying wheels to really think about how are you using them, where are you putting them, and you know what do you expect out of them. And the reason is because you know, people talk about weight a lot. You hear people say about lightweight wheels or strong wheels or forged wheels or cast wheels. And you see these weight numbers thrown around. And the one thing that never gets spoken about at all is load rating. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. that's an important piece because, you know, you can make, I can make the lightest wheel that you could ever imagine. The problem is, you know, if it's made out of 3D printed plastic, it's not nearly going to be as strong as something that's, you know, actually develop. So there are a lot of wheels that, you know, people compare and then you'll find out that the load ratings are totally different. And, you know, what does a load rating mean? It's like a static weight of a vehicle, right? So the problem is that there's really no threshold of you know and, and people don't go like if you're an if you're a track guy, right? And you go to the track and you use your car hard, you know, you don't think about like, all right, well, what is my wheel rated to with the arrow and downforce figured in. And when I go into a turn real hard and all the weight transfer of the vehicle jumps onto that front left corner, you know what I mean? Like, well, so how much more, if your car, if your car is using X amount of, you know, uh, pounds out of the static load rating, how much, how much extra weight did we just put on that wheel? And, and, and so there's, there's some, there's some other things I think people need to think about. And, and so. When you start to compare wheels and cast and construction, it's the same type of thing. Do I think everybody needs a flow form wheel? No. Do I think everybody needs a forged wheel? Definitely not. Um, does it mean that there are some people that can benefit from a forged wheel? Absolutely. Like I just don't think that. You know, I think a lot of people, and I, th- and I'm gonna. I know I don't. I don't like to bad mouth, and I don't like to, whatever. Cause I don't, we're, you know, we have no enemies and we're good friends with a lot of other wheel companies, but I think that there's some wheel companies that really find, um, their joy in trying to almost make their product sound so much better through all these things by putting other companies and products down.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so
3: I think it, it, I mean, is it like most things in life where you can get a really good product for x amount of dollars and you can get a slightly better one and skyrocket the price you know what i mean i i'm thinking about mountain bikes right now because that happens you can buy a hell of a mountain bike for five thousand dollars you can buy one for ten thousand dollars that's better but like you know what i mean like you're you're getting like better two percent three percent yeah and so your your price starts going up exponentially because of they're using the best of everything, the best, you know, absolute best construction methods and and every little gram counts and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, I'm assuming that that's how, I'm, as I get older, I realize that life is like across the board. Yeah. And, but, I, and uh, I think
1: that you'll, I think you'll find that to be true in every product, in every industry, yeah. you know, across, across the board, that there's going to be circumstances like that. But, you know, then there's this other realm, which is, uh, you know, and I won't get into it, but, you know, our parent company who, you know, we are the factories. We're not importers. Right. Um, and, uh, our parent company, like we, we make a lot of private label wheels and we make a lot of brands, yes, uh, that are out on the market and yes. I'm not, you know, we don't say anything else about that. People could do their own research if they really want. It's mm-hmm. fine. But like, that's not the point of the conversation. My point is that, um, these wheels are all different price points, Right. Um, you know, you can take that for what you will, but you know, (laughs) you can't use price as a determining factor. But I also think that you shouldn't have to. If one of these wheels resonates with you, makes you feel good, they have the right marketing, it does the it gives you the right image, it makes you feel good. If you're happy about spending your money, if you feel that you got a quality piece, you should do it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It, you know what well, I mean? Like 20, I just don't. I just 100%. don't know. I don't like. I just don't like when people they start to compare. Like we get it constantly. Like we'll do lives. You know, we go live on Instagram and Facebook uh, three p.m. on every Wednesday, and so we take questions every week. We we do uh, constantly. People will be like, "So what's the difference between the hypergram and the RPF one?" I mean, how do you want me to answer that?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's the problem is that, you know, as, as car people, we start doing research because we want something that performs really well. But then you get past the point where you're like, you get too too smart and it scrambles your brain and you have too much information. And eventually it's like, bro, buy the wheel that you you, you got yeah you should like your wheels you shouldn't buy one that you don't like because it was a quarter of a pound lighter and you saw the numbers online and and now you're only thinking numbers and
2: i I feel like people are scared to 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 give an explanation of like i just like this wheel everybody wants to (laughs) everybody if somebody's asking you about your wheel you want to know exactly the numbers of of why it's the perfect wheel for this yeah, you have like, to Don't justify. be scared to just say, I like that wheel. It looks good on my car. That's why I got it because I drive it. We shouldn't be scared to say that. I mean, you know, you know how
1: many people send us messages and they say things like, you know, how much does this wheel weigh? And then you'll be like, whatever. They're like, oh, you know, the other this other wheel I was looking at, you know, is 0.2 pounds lighter. And, and I'm thinking to myself, so, and I like, sometimes I can't help myself. And I'll just be like, oh, hold on, let me try this. I'm like, ask them if they weigh the tire. They're like, yeah. what? but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah like go weigh a tire like i've said this so many times i think this year uh because yeah. people have brought this question up to me um and the truth is like i've had tires that have weighed eight pounds difference for the same size
3: wow really pounds
1: yeah, yeah. people are out there worried about 0.2 pounds you know what i mean they're, yeah, they're yeah. out there worried about quarter of a pound Meanwhile, their tires are six pounds heavier than the other tire that they didn't weigh, that they never bothered to look. Or better yet, mm-hmm. they're they're worried about wheel weight, and then they're running a, a tire that's not even close yeah. to being able to perform to anything. So, like, what are you mm-hmm. really doing except causing yourself a
3: lot of stress? Yeah. Yeah. And just FYI, you guys, if you are going weight, tire weight, like, I know Toyo Tires, for example, I don't know about the others. You can go onto their site, look at their wheels, and then open all the specs, and you can really yeah. get all that information. So, And it does. It makes a difference. Like, when I got my uh, Hypergrams, Kony Hypergrams for the Fiesta, like, that was the driving forces. I'm like, all right, Fiesta, small car, I got to use it, right? Like, if we're going to bite at these bigger cars... Um, we got to use what we got. So every pound counts. And I don't remember yeah. the numbers it's on our website somewhere, but from going from an OEM with the OEM, whatever tire was on it to an R triple eight, the lightweight R triple eight, um, uh, R triple eight R actually, uh, and the hypergrams, it saved like a substantial, I want to say like a good six pounds or seven pounds or something. Um, so, yeah, I mean you're I, it's just you're talking about weight, like I do think that Koenig's are a- absolutely some of the lightest wheels, especially bang for the buck light wheels and 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 I'm not dogging like the the high high end wheels like dude, if I have the money, like I'm all about it, but I also want a wheel that I can own and drive the car and it doesn't own me, you know that I'm not yeah. worried about everything yeah. like I think that's that's Koenig's role uh, in a lot of ways is that it, well, and that's why you see them on all the freaking grid life cars and the weekend warriors and the drift cars is because it's a car that or it's a wheel that's easily accessible it's affordable and yeah mm-hmm. freaking it's light it performs and god forbid if you do damage one yeah. you know it doesn't ruin your month <laughs>
2: like, you know you're four, not, like that's the game right there i mean you want to be able to to turn around as fast as you can if you need to
3: I mean, I, and I'm not saying, dude, like, on the, on the right car, yeah, go for it. Put the, you know, most expensive, most elite set of wheels that you can, and that works. That's cool. But, you know, um, for a lot of people out there, yeah, you're just trying to, like, all right, like, how do I get that 99% that we were talking about and get it now because I want it now? You know, I don't want to wait for four months for wheels to come in and yeah. the company goes out of business in the process, and then you're chasing them down. And Yeah. So you
0: know I'll what, request. listen, I
1: think – and I,
3: well, oh good, what's up?
0: Um, so you mentioned like uh you know, with say like the expensive wheels versus Koenigs, um or anything similar, um, justifying it because if you break one you want to be able to replace it, right? I see online a lot of the same argument even with Koenigs to like some sort of ret brand. How do, how do you what's your opinion about you know replica brands and the stigma that that brings.
1: I, I think that there's something out there for everybody, and you know, like I said, I don't like to to knock things. I think that um, you know, I think Konings had a had a really interesting history over the last you know almost forty years, and you know they, you know, the company's evolved and changed, and uh, and I like to think that uh, you know in the past you know five six seven years we've We've really done some incredible, uh, re I don't want to say rebranding, but a lot of putting a lot more into into product design, development, and, um, and right. use, you know, kind of really sure. Uh, making sure that we recognize our lane. I, I think there's a lot of companies out there um, that are going to make wheels that work for somebody, and it's really hard, you know, I, I remember exactly... How I was growing up and building cars and you know I was working on other people's cars to for parts you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I would I would barter for parts I would trade things I would do side hustles for parts like like you know I was broke but like I I always figured out a way to come up with money or parts to to put on the car just by you know hustling and I think it's hard to tell people at different stages of you know kind of their modification game that you know they should be shunned because they run something right. that may be on the market. Mm-hmm. So I think there, there's that. I think it is disheartening, and and you know it can be hard, difficult to see. You know maybe, and I say this now, like so. I, I started basically doing most of Koenig's design work starting the end of 2015, right? Okay. Um, when you and, say
3: design work, you're talking about designing wheels? Yeah. Okay, just making sure that somebody didn't think designing okay, marketing so, materials or right. something like that. Like, right, Sub so question you,
0: from that, then. Sub question from that. What exactly is your job title with Koenig? Is it so designer, question. marketing? I'm
1: not exactly. I'm not exactly sure. Well, um, look. <laughs> <laughs> um, Scott Wise, yeah, the it's,
4: balls.
1: Right. The, right. Just dragging along on the ground.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you know, listen, I, I do a lot of Koenig. Um, not I don't want to make it sound like as far as work effort, but I, I do a lot of different things um, at Koenig and uh, and I'm really pretty blessed to have uh, a great team to kind of help me jump around with, you know, Um but but you know as far as wheel design, and what I mean is like I'm not physically sitting there drawing wheels, right? Like there's a lot when you when you develop wheels, there's a lot that goes into it. They take mm-hmm. a very long time to develop, and uh, you know a lot of it comes down with you know you're thinking about different things and pairing different parts and like hey I want this fitment and this, and I want the spokes to look like this, and I want the center to look like this, and let's do this, and let's come up with it, and like you start putting, and next thing you know after a few months you have like. Something to look at, and then you go, I don't like that, and you send it back, and you say, let's do this, and and we have a pretty gifted uh, R&D team uh, at the factories, and they're such such a large help to being able to take what's here and kind of put it onto things, right? Yeah, Um, right and you know and then there's a lot of back and forth and we get together with a team and we start talking about like oh do we like this and people are like ah, that's crap you know what i mean and, and and it takes a long time to come up with something and there's plenty of years that we get down to the thing where we're like oh i don't know like
3: <laughs> yeah you get uh, you like know? so far into it and then you're like dang it do we even like this anymore <laughs> like
1: well and it's true and sometimes you're so far down the pike you're like you know the worst thing in the world for me is well at least the past five or six years um has been like a lot of times. What happens is we run to the buzzer, and then the first time we actually physically see the wheel is at SEMA, right? <laughs> oh, wow! Um, so oh, like oh. Um, sometimes it happens. You know, we have three D modelings and renderings, and we could turn the wheel all around. And like uh, you know, we've even gone as far. You know, like we'll we'll three D print a wheel and we'll bring it over or whatever it may be. Um, but there is something about when you see something for the first time in the color that you chose, which is the hardest, by the yeah. way, far more difficult than you. <laughs>
3: we'll get to that.
1: Yeah. Far more difficult than than designing a, or developing a wheel is trying to figure out what color to make it. Um, yeah. But, but so, so I listen, you know, there's sometimes we get the SEMA and it's like. It's like, all right, hold on. Which pallet has the new stuff on it? Uh, it's over there. Like, and we're just ripping stuff apart, um, you know, looking for these wheels and we're laying them on the ground. And the worst feeling in the world is when you open something up and you go, Oh. <laughs> That's <laughs> what it
2: looks like. And, and then you're like sitting there
1: and you're like,
3: It's not bad, right? It's not bad. Like it's not <laughs> tough, right. It's not bad. Um, how many times
0: has that happened?
3: Oh, it happens. It happens. Oh, uh, well, I'm like, sure it happens. Even when we like, many- our our shift knobs all the time, you know? You're like, oh, heck yeah, man, we're gonna do this flake gold, it's gonna be so <laughs> awesome, it's gonna be so awesome, and then you get yeah. it, and it's like flake brown, and you're like, oh right. man, right. like, that's not it. Right. You know, it's the same game. It's pretty dope, yeah. though, really, like. Right, right. Yeah, I don't
1: know, you know, if that happens, I mean, you've, you've been there plenty of Siemens when you guys walk up, and I'm like, let me show you the new stuff, and I'm like, what do you think, do you like it? Like, is yeah. it good? You know, yeah, and there's like, this part true. that, like, you know, sometimes you almost like, like, Am I getting too old? Like is like it are do my tastes rough ref- like and that's the other hard thing about working on wheel designs is that one thing you people don't realize is that there is something out there for everyone yeah. and you can't just make one type of if like for a company like us, we are able to keep our pricing affordable by making sure that we sell good volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't see. That's the thing. You can't have it both ways. You can't be the niche company and sell a lot of wheels. You can't be the expensive company and sell a lot of wheels. You can't Mm -hmm. be the cheap company and and have brand image. Like it just it's like you know you can't have all of these two things, all these things. So you have to really just try to stay in your lane. And when you take on a project, make sure that you really it's not you're not doing it to try to gain money or market share you're moving into that segment because you think you can bring something to the market that would be a benefit. Right. Um, Right. And that was kind of the revamp look that we took back, you know, uh, in 2015. We're like, you know, the thing is all of our products are good. Like our quality is great. Like our factories are good. Like, what we do here, R and D is good. We, we put the right fitment on cars. Like we make sure that they're properly load rated and they pack strict, st- they pass all the strict standards and all that stuff is great. But what do we want to do? You know what I mean? And that's like really the point where we like, sl- we, we stopped and we said, all right, what do we want to do with this? You know? Um, and, and it was cool to get started. So, so going back to some of those rep companies, I think, that some of the hard part is, you know, it's sometimes it is tough, like when you see a wheel that you, you did and then somebody else has something that's strikingly similar to it. Um, but this is the wheel industry. And unfortunately, as much as I don't want to say this, um, it's it becomes it's tough to reinvent the wheel, you know, <laughs> and there's times that we've started out with wheels like without not even thinking about a wheel. And we'll develop a wheel and we'll we'll get these renderings back. And we're like, man, that's pretty good looking. And then, like, we'll be looking around and we're like, oh crap, we just inadvertently designed like another company. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it it can happen. You know, like, you try to design a wheel. I guarantee you, if you try to design a wheel, you're going to end up designing something, even without thinking about it, that looks something similar to something else.
3: Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the customers you mentioned uh wheel color so why don't you make purple wheels (laughs) you know i'm sure you get asked by people like oh dang man if you only had those in like yellow or red or whatever i'd totally buy them but they're Mm -hmm. gray so i don't want to buy like the impossible customer, basically. Mm-hmm. There is such a thing. And I know that we've had this conversation because we worked on the Fiesta yeah. like, wheels together. And, and, so, and so basically, guys, when I got the Fiesta, there wasn't a Koenig wheel in 4x108. And I was like, Scott, come on, man. like Nobody makes wheels for this car. And he's like, yeah, there's a reason, because it's a weird bowl <laughs> pattern. And, and there's only a handful of Fiesta ST owners. And I was like, but True. there's only like, like three wheels. <laughs> They're all driving on the same wheel. Anyway, long story short, uh, he decided to make some hyper- hypergrams, and I was like on top of the world because that's my <laughs> definition of total success because I had a right. hand in that. And uh, and so anyway, yeah, when it came to the color, you know, you were... Anyway, fill in. Finish my sentence. Why aren't the wheels flaked purple?
1: So we get like 100 comments a day, 100 questions <laughs> a day about... And my favorite line is, you know, and I'll leave it at blank, but if you guys would have just done... You would have sold a million wheels, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like we get that probably about 50 times a day, 100 times a day. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so much. It's so much that we actually, like it's <laughs> almost, you can't even answer it anymore. Um, so this kind of goes back to what, what we said before. You know, the, the, we have the advantage to being able to make any wheel in any color in any size that we want. It We have no limitations. None. None. The problem with it is, is that. People generally say the things that they want, but when it comes down to buying them, they don't. Right. And oh, you know, geez. at the end of the day, if we make, if we make, you know, and you'll see, there's plenty of companies that are, you know, let's even, you, I don't want to call them competitors, but, but other brother in companies um, that that will do that They'll they'll make a limited run of purple or a limited run of this and a limited of that and we've done it before the problem is at the end of the day we really do our best to make sure that we can bring affordable product to the market and you can't do that by selling 40 wheels mm-hmm. like True. you can't that do being it being super niche yeah so you have to take a pick and and so we'll we'll be niche on certain things and yeah we'll sometimes yeah the hell with this let's make it this color this color and the truth is you know people don't realize like if it was one of those things that had a lot of demand behind it, and even even some of these, you know, shops that we dealt with, see, there's times where they're like, hey, listen, if we you know, if we get a couple hundred pieces of this or a hundred pieces of this, can you think we could do it in this color? And we're like, yeah. Like and they're like, Really? Like it's like, yeah, we you know, we can do all that stuff. Like right. as long as you're gonna step up and right. here that the, you buy them.
3: I don't know if you remember this, but I remember it. The smurf blue wheels yeah. that I had on my DSM, my eclipse. Because yeah. I remember yeah. talking to you and you're like, you know what? You're just dumb enough to do it. Th- we had this order of these however many sets of Smurf blue wheels yep, in this yep. dumb size. And yep. then the guys bailed out of it or whatever. And now yeah. we're stuck with Smurf. And I was like, send them. <laughs> and I ended yeah. up with Smurf oh. blue wheels. Yeah. That's, and that's exactly
1: what happened. What happened was, you know, and, you know, we're pretty good about we it. Had, we had a good customer at the time. And, and he, you know, really wanted to do some limited run stuff, had done some stuff before, um, you know, got the blue you know got these blue wheels in and you know his you know i think he thought like i think when you start to get some confidence there you you get bolder right yeah and um and just got a little bold and was like oh my god guys i'm so sorry but like i can't and you know we just we didn't jam we didn't jam them we we took them
3: and it was like
1: what are you gonna do with these wheels you know like
3: (laughs) and this was like 2008 so like Mm-hmm. The, the loud colors on wheels, I mean, yeah, it was being done, but I would, it was probably like 2010 or 11 where that became like a thing. Everybody was having the wild color wheels, but uh, yeah, then that was kind of, yeah, that was wild. Smart blue yeah. was kind of off the wall. You know, and then you start talking about if you're going
1: to do a lot of customization, you know, and you're going to charge a higher, pri- higher price for it because it's going to cost you more money and you're not going to sell as many. You know, at what point do you get to the point where somebody could take it and have their wheel refinished and pay the lower price? Like, I don't I don't know. It's, it's a conversation that comes up quite a bit. So um, it's really just out of, you know, people say, oh, it's about sales. It's more or less about trying to make sure that we bring something to people that we legitimately think that they'll
3: buy and want. And that will and look afford. good on and, and cars. Of afford. You know what I mean? Yeah. It'll look good on a red car, just as good as it looks on a white car or whatever. Yeah. And I'm guessing it's the same with um, wheel sizing. I'm sure people go, why don't you make that in a negative 20 offset, like, you know, 18 by 12, you know, or something <laughs> like that. And it's just because nobody would buy it. It's a- You know, mm-hmm. and, and so
1: what's interesting with wheel sizing and fitment is that people tend to um, – you know, everything is the forum-driven thing. I saw it on Instagram. This, no, yeah. no. Like, you know, people will call, and they, and they do. They call all day long, and they'll speak to sales guys, and I hear, as you know, I'll be walking through, and I'll hear the sales guys going, you know, it doesn't fit. No, no, it doesn't fit. I don't care what you saw on the computer. It doesn't fit. And I know people think that we're being, like, uh, dream killers, right? Conservative, but at the end of, yeah. Well, here's the thing. <clears throat> we know where aggressive stands, and when you tell us you're going to put a wheel, like, let's say the car takes an 18, nine and a half at a 25 and we know uh-huh. that that's when you put the proper size tire on it and you're not you're not doing any crazy suspension yeah. mods or cambering in that that's the right fit for the car and when you start to go any real more than that you take the chance at rubbing right mm-hmm. so we tell them like hey look that's all the wheel on the car like you know whatever you do after that it's cool but we you know we can't tell you to do it and mm-hmm. that's what people want they want us that a lot of times they want us to con- say yes you can do it. you know why because when it rubs they want to be able to send it back Right, Um, you know i mean good news is we're not we're not a retailer we don't sell the public but like you know we also try to make sure that when people call us we answer their questions we take the time of them on the phone if they you know if they want it and uh if they go to a retailer we don't want the retailer to have a problem where they're saying oh well koenig said it would fit well anyhow bottom line is we get these people and they'll and they'll say you know no well, i want to put this 18 by 11 on my car to 15 and we're like well, you could do it. It's just not going to fit. And they're like, no, no, it does fit because I've seen this, you know, a a bunch of these cars now that everybody's running it. Mm -hmm. And we're like, well, no, not everybody's running it, but like, trust me, you know, it's not going to fit unless you're going to make it work. And they're like, what does that mean? And it's like, well, well, or, or, you know, and it it could be a combination. Like, you know, people don't realize there's a lot of things to massage a wheel in the car. doesn't mean it's correct. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. it's good. Right. You can, Roll your quarters, you roll your fenders, you can short the tire, which is like to me is one of the worst wheel and tire offenses that you could possibly do. <laughs> you can adjust the camera in. So you basically take all the tire that you got and basically make it so that not all of it's touching the ground. Um you can uh you know, there's a lot of things you could do to massage a wheel onto a car. I just think that at the end yeah. of the day And then that guy car, will this, go the best part, the, this is the best part is The percentage of – now, usually what happens is when somebody messes something up real bad, there's only one or two ways it goes. One, they keep their mouth shut because they're so embarrassed that they they can't get this thing to work. Or two, um, they call up with this fury, this fury that you can't imagine, and they're like, I don't understand what happened here. I ripped my tires to shred. My quarters are blown apart. I mean, like we get this stuff all the time. It's Mm. like, well, that doesn't fit you guys said it would fit we never said it would fit never in, yeah. a, in a million years did we say it would fit it's like well i saw it on the internet that it does fit okay so wait so we didn't say it was you saw it on the internet it's like yeah i saw it on the, well i saw it on instagram it's like well all right well i don't know what you want us to do like you don't think it's so upset and not everybody can make some of these things work
3: i just think it all comes back to what's best for you right so i got two things from that one is that it, it Like social media, Instagram, being what you call form driven or photo driven is probably really confusing and tempting, but can give a lot of wrong information to people out there trying to find fitment because there's two definitions of fit because it fit and it's up there under it's like you're saying just because it's under the quarter panel does not mean it fit. If you're running on 10% of your tire because you got it so cambered that you're running on the shoulder, you yeah. can say that fits. fair. Right. But <laughs> it does not fit. <laughs> like, right. It's not like, if we're talking about a functional perspective, that's not fit. You failed at fitting, even though it actually does fit. And To, I me, that- it remind- to me, it reminds
1: me of like, you know when like uh, people get on Instagram and they make fun of people for, photo editing something or you know of themselves or you know, like I could take a really great picture and make myself look a lot thinner than I am but you know the truth is when you see me in person it's not
3: going to change anything you know what I mean it's yeah. kind of like that um well and you know yeah it always frustrates me and and it, the cars that we and I deal with it with the magazine too it's like an internal struggle but like the cars that you see on Instagram Photographed beautifully, they look awesome. They look like like cartoonist superhero cars or whatever, but they drive like broken eggs. <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? Some of, them, some of them do. Some of them do. But you know, I mean, listen. There are some. You know, for everybody that you know, we're we're hitting up right now. There are a lot of real car guys that. Do everything it takes to make a wheel fit correctly, and they want more wheel, but they, but they do what it takes. And mm-hmm. the, for those people out there that put the time and the game in and get something to fit aggressively and fit well mm-hmm. um, and function well, um, it's incredible. You know, yeah. you know, you've been you've been up to those cars and you've seen them. Fill out a, you know, fill out a quarter, fill out a fender, you know, be every, every, you know, you know, it's every millimeter of wheel and tire. Like, you know, that they have perfected it, that they spent all the time getting everything dialed in to make it work, make it look right. And, um, when you see that stuff, it's just, it's incredible.
3: It really is. Yeah, Yeah. I think that, that especially the younger guys just need to know that how much work that is exactly. It is. 1,000 hours (laughs) of massaging and fabricating and all this kind of stuff. And very rarely, well, I don't know. That's not true. I was going to say it's not the kind of thing you can do in a weekend. But, you know, sometimes you can. I just, yeah, you know, be ready. I have certainly, my BMW is a perfect example. $500 Uh E34 BMW. I bought wheels that I didn't even for some reason, the premise of this car was like, I'm going to do no internet research. I'm going to take it back to the old school. And and they have Cosmos wheels on it. And it was like, he was one, it was one of those things where he's like, I got this size. Uh, they're here right now. They're hyper bronze. I said, send it. And it was one of those, they ain't going to fit. It's like, they'll fit. You know? And so, uh, and, and you know, what turned into a quick, like, let's just pull this and here. Hey, dude, it was a month, you know, of sitting there jacking up cars. Pulling wheels off, putting wheels back on, looking at it, wiggling stuff, finally saying, All right, this ain't going to work. I got to get players. And then you got to cut the whole damn car up. I didn't care. It's a $500 BMW. I saved it. You know, I didn't ruin it as far as I'm concerned. But you're doing that on something that you're trying to drive to work on Monday morning. It's not, it's not going to work. It's not for you. So yeah, it, has its, it has its disadvantages, I guess. All right. I'm not. What, what else? What other questions do I have? For I Mike's, like I'm, Mike's like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> all
4: day,
0: I got a question. What's up with all the grams?
3: Oh, yeah. What is up with all the countergram, hypergram? hypergram.
0: hypergram. hypergram.
3: So you know hypergram. how I said
1: the hardest thing to do is to pick a finish? Yes. Yeah. The next hardest thing to do is pick a wheel name.
3: <laughs> you are going <laughs> to let me do that. You promised me at SEMA a couple of years ago. You guys ago, can
1: I, you guys can pick pick wheel names. They just like they have to they have to work and get and,
3: approved by. You it.
1: <laughs> well, you know what the hardest thing to do is like, and this sounds weird, right? We probably spend more up t- more time obsessing about wheel names when picking them than. Uh, probably is really necessary. But, um, you know, you kind of look at some of these names and you start to develop like, you know, what we kind of call this DNA, right?
2: Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. Um, And if you switch gears too quickly, it's almost like you're copying somebody else, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, if I just went, if we made the next wheel uh, the SF-91, Everybody would be like, oh, they're trying to rip off Enki. You know what I mean? If we made, oh, yeah. if we made a, you know, oh, you know, they'd be like, oh, they're trying to knock off Vossen. Like, you know. Yeah. So, so there's a certain DNA that people have gotten used to expecting from us, uh, and the type of sounds that you hear for names that we've used for years and years. So it starts to get difficult because you're throwing all these names around. I mean, we'll have pages and pages of name ideas. And you'll be like, first thing you have to do is you have to go research them, and make sure that no other wheel companies yeah. ever used them, yeah. ever, <laughs>
3: right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I have a really good story about something that happened between us and a tire company like twelve years ago, but um, that's a whole other story. Um, but so, bottom line is, you know, you got to find a name that was never used, and then when you finally get a name that you like. Then you have to run it by everybody in the office, which ultimately brings in the most aggressive argument you've ever seen. It yes. happens every wheel name, And then um, at the end of the day, it seems that most decisions are made with, you know what, F it. Who cares? Just just, just call it that, you know? But um, yeah. But so the Graham thing, you know, we started that 2010, two, well, 2000, end of 2009, we released our first Flowform Koenig wheel. Mm -hmm. And that was the the milligram. Okay. And then we followed it up really quick afterwards with a wheel called the kilogram. And so there's kind of always been this thing about our flow form wheels name being ending in gram and flow. um, And for, yeah, gram and flow and form. Okay. So, so you start to get all these things. and next thing you know, when you start to think about what other names you're like, oh, man, like. You know, you try to go away from it, but it just seems to always drag you back in.
3: I think yeah, it works because my brain doesn't process the numbers like when there's a a brand that has a bunch of numbers to their wheels or turbos. You know what I mean? I'm like, can we just call turbos like intimidators or demolishers or whatever? Like, <laughs> well, you know you know our mamba
1: you know our mamba line, the off road line.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, See, I can't remember because it's all I,
1: I love that. Really? I, you know why? Because I know exactly what my next wheel name is.
2: Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're yeah, up. If you guys don't know, basically, so the M twenty eight
1: is coming out next year. Yeah. I know it for sure. I don't know what it looks like yet, but I promise you it's an M twenty eight.
3: M28. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh man. So Hunter, what were you I, gonna say? I find it um the association better too, because like sometimes like when I'm talking to uh, since I've started working with the magazine, I found myself more of like a a wheel connoisseur in a way. Like I like knowing the wheel names and the brands. It's just something that I've you know. It's kind of like just this, this fun thing that I've gotten into. But it's a lot easier. Like buddies will come to me knowing that I work for a magazine, be like, oh well, what wheel do you think that I should put on this car? And you know, like if Koenig comes to mind, like I find myself going like Graham. And then it immediately floods back to me, well, the decagram and the countergram and versus okay. a whole bunch of numbers. So, so, where did
3: the dial in come from?
1: Um, <laughs> that came from, <laughs> from from my boss, so the president of the company. Um, we were coming up with a, there were a few. It was probably oh, it's a long time ago. He, I remember him walking out and being like, "Oh, you know, I." Uh, no one named this wheel yet. This is a true story. He said, no one named this wheel yet. And, uh, and we were like, "Oh, we started coming up with names and then he came back like a few hours later and he's like, like, God, did anybody pick up a name yet? And we're like, Oh, and we start talking about it again. And then like he walks away. And so this goes on probably for a week,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: like every few hours, every day he'd walk out and then, um, And then he walked out and he was like, he's like, that's it. He's like, did you guys pick a name? Like, we're making part numbers. It's happening today, right? And we start talking again. And he came out a little bit later. And he's like, I called it the dial in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was just like,
1: we're like, all
0: right. Do you still make the dial in? And is it still gold?
1: No. Well, so, no, the answer is uh, we don't make, uh, we do make the dial in. Um, but the gold, we started to wind down. I think we still make it in 15 by seven, but, uh, the eight and the nine, we, we stopped making it in gold.
3: Dang. Well, whatever. I've got mine. Um, okay. So the Mamba wheels, you mentioned Mamba. Mamba is Koenig's off-road brand. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing happening in the off-road wheel market? Bronze is getting hot, huh? Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I think I think it is. But I mean, I think it well,
1: I think it had, uh, you know, I mean, the problem is that, like, black still sells 10 to one. Right? Really? Yeah. 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 I'm
3: feeling like I'm, I'm noticing. All right. Toyota guys, obviously bronze. They've been on that. I feel like now I'm noticing my Jeep buddies who are, you know, black tough and now they're like dude i saw this one on bronze i'm like yeah welcome to the party man like <laughs> bronze is dope you know and, and yeah. i feel like it's starting to hit the masses now i think
1: wheel finishes are interesting because they're they can be st- super regional right like you guys being in the southeast and a lot of other people that will be in the southwest or on the west coast um you know there's there's a lot like when you say toyota to somebody in different parts of the country especially when you're for different. truck yeah you're going to have very different connotations toward that you say it on the west coast there's, you know there's a good chance that you're going to get a very um asian importy type of mm-hmm. tuner yeah. look that's wanted there right you say it in the southwest and they're thinking like two-wheel drive really big 22 by 12 type stuff you know and you're like what well, how does that even work on a tundra but like <laughs> um but but you know that's their thing, and then you say you go to southeast, and like now you're starting to see people that are really um, they're like us, you yeah. know? They came up in import tuner, they came up in in tuning days, sport compact car, uh, mm-hmm. you know? And and now all of a sudden they just want something else to do, right? Yeah. You can't, yeah. They close all our race tracks, like you don't have anywhere to go and race. Can't street race. Can't like there's like you're like <laughs> what do I do? And so you're like and I got kids. Yeah. So I'll get a Jeep, yeah. Like I'll get a Jeep and we'll go on the sand and we'll have barbecues and, you know, we'll catch some fish and, you know, we'll do all these uh, outdoorsy things. And then when they're not in with me, I'll go drag it through the mud and convince myself that this was a great investment. Yep.
2: <laughs>
3: No, yeah, we we were talking about that on on a podcast recently, and and me and Jesse have gone through that, you know, and it's like, it's like you're born again. It's like you feel all the same feelings that you got from the imports when you were a teenager. It's like this, like, man, this is like new, and I'm learning stuff all over again, and it's fun again, and it's a blank canvas. And you're right, you add kids in the mix, and then you can justify the purchase so
1: i think the best car about the best part for me and everybody's got their own experience to it but one of the biggest things to me with cars has always been the building and the hangouts Mm -hmm. right like even now like you know my wife will kind of say hey what do you know when your birthday rolls around what do you want to do your birthday and i'm like i want to have a car day like just let me go out in the garage and like pull things out and i want to a, you know, I usually try to, for my birthday, I always try to, like, order a couple things in for the car, so I have something to install that day, or, and I like building, and making, and, like, fabricating, and, like, welding, and, like, so, you know, part of, and, and then it was even better, I mean, now nobody's around to do anything with, but, like, when I was, when I was younger, like, that was the thing, like, we order a few pizzas, and everybody would be by the house, and there would be 10, mm-hmm. you know, 10, 12 cars in, and mm-hmm. we'd just be making things, and, you know, <laughs> And it it didn't go faster. It went real slow. But but it was interesting to, like, really be able to hang out with people and, like, you know, just joking and hanging and chilling and working on cars. And um, I don't know. Like, that's that's always been my thing, right? The building part.
3: I I mean, I feel that. Like, yesterday, me and Hunter went wheeling. We had fun wheeling, for sure. But, like, I think I realized this on the drive home, Hunter. Like, I think the most fun I had yesterday was at Chili's. Like, we went to a brewery, we had a beer, and there was a Chili's, like, basically right up the street. And it was like, well, I got to split, guys. And Bubba was like, come on, I want some Chili's, you know? And I was like, I really don't have to split. You know what I mean? Like, I love my family. I want to get back to them. I feel that sense. I was like, but we're Mm -hmm. here. We're here now. Like, it doesn't happen as much as the pizza days that you were just talking about. I was like, screw it. Let's go get some bottomless chips and salsa. And we went to Chili's. (laughs) And dude, just hung out and had a blast, man. And uh, yeah, dude, that's what it's all about. And all, not to promote or not promote off roading, but I like, that's oh, what I thought me.
2: you were going to say chilies. I was like, oh, now, yeah.
3: now the podcast. Promoting <laughs> Chili's. I'm my on Chili's. that email list. I get my free dessert. Throw it's, that chili um,
2: logo at the center of our images.
3: <laughs> but, um, you know, the off road thing, what it provides for, for people that maybe, especially getting into that age where kids are a factor and so you can justify it. Like, You get out there and you have that time. It's like a break. You know, like all my hood rat friends ain't coming over to help me mess with my CRX because my wife ain't having it. You know what I mean? Like we're not going to have that thing up on jack stands in, in, in my driveway or whatever. But like the off road thing gives you the opportunity to go out with your buddies, with your boy, with your crew. The investment is small. You go out all day for the hopefully nothing bad happens for the cost of you know, your taquitos or whatever you pick up at the gas station and a tank of gas, and you're just out there all day having fun. Like, I don't know if we covered five miles yesterday. We somehow spent, from when I left my house to got back, was 16 hours. I don't know how the hell that happened. But you were just out there hanging out. A lot of it I don't was know Hunter where you trying come to up, find I don't know where phone. you found 16 hours. <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs> yeah. like, and Hunter lost his phone some, somewhere on a mountain. I got it back, though. I got, it got it back. It became <laughs> Bubba's mission to find the
0: phone. Somehow I came across I, my. I called my family. I was like, "If there's any way you can figure out how to track my phone, please do it." Somehow they found a longitude and latitude location of it, hmm. and we plugged it in a satellite GPS and had to drive up the side of this mountain to get the phone back. Yeah, it was it was an adventure. It's but, crazy.
4: But,
3: and at the time, I was just like Hunter. Damn <laughs> it, dude. Get like, your crap together. But now. I wasn't there, but I guarantee Wooly was
4: 100%. So we're leaving. I don't care about your phone. We're leaving. <laughs> you know how yeah. the kids, I don't care about you. Yeah. I don't
2: care about your phone. I'm just trying to get chilies. <laughs> like, yo, get my salsa like, and chips. The kids these
3: days wear basically Daisy Dukes for shorts, you know, these chubs or whatever the hell you want to call it. We're, like, wait, is this what happens down there by you? Yes, dude. <laughs> he's got literally umbros on or something like that. And so. They're not meant for a phone. So the phone falls out. And the whole time, I'm just like, if you hadn't they're, had your sister's they're shorts met, They're online. not meant
1: for your stones. You know what I mean?
3: <laughs> yeah, right? So the whole time, I'm sitting here, like, quietly coming unglued. Like, if you hadn't had your sister's shorts, this wouldn't be a problem. You need to start running up that damn mountain. He's like, dude, that's like two miles. We're like, yeah, each way. You better hurry. But it, it like you learn things off-roading. And, like, in my mind, I'm like, this, this is unraveling. We had already gotten separated from half of the group. We, I was with two guys that hadn't been there before that were new. Uh, so I felt a sense of obligation to stay there. Um, and I was like, okay, so we got separated, not ideal. He lost his phone like this is unraveling. This is a learning moment. We don't let it unravel more by me leaving these guys to try and go up. I'm talking steep, steep slick mud um you know and i was like you don't separate you don't go up alone i'm gonna get stuck or i'm gonna break something i'm not gonna be able to communicate because cell phone service so i was like the best option as much as it sucks is for you to start running up that mountain and go get your phone and he was like well i'm gonna have to take your phone so i can reach my phone and i was like no because you're not losing he he's <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> like i'm not here to help
4: I don't care and about your Finally, brother. Bubba came in <laughs> and
3: saved the day. We, we kind of relayed the message to Bubba. You know Bubba from Blackberry.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And uh, and yeah, we relayed the message. And he was like, "Can you help me get my phone?" And he was like, "Damn right, I will." And like five minutes later, you see him barreling down some mountain, and he picks them up, and they go and they get it done. But yesterday, not so funny. Today, I realized that those are the moments that <laughs> make this so freaking awesome and fun. So. It
1: reminds me of the year that we were leaving SEMA, and we get to the airport, <laughs> and one of the guys had lo- left his wallet in the hotel room. <laughs>
2: uh, and so there I was that initial—it
1: was that initial internal discussion of like,
4: should <laughs> we leave him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: It's so like you uh, Jesse um, did
4: that to me in Kentucky.
2: Somebody else lost. My phone. I lost my phone. I think I put it on the ST on the way to Holly uh, Intergalactic Ford Festival. Um, made it to the track, realized I didn't have my phone. Didn't know where. It, just lost it. Uh, it's always
3: at the best time, too. It's always at the best, most convenient moment when you realize that, like, you lost something. I feel I, I'd rather lose a lot of
1: things before I lose my phone. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's oh, yeah. what I was like, realizing yeah quickly.
1: it's like the worst I, I my wallet i i'm like i can call dmv i can get another license like you know right. but like your phone mm-hmm.
2: see immediate I'm panic. Opposite. i would i don't mind losing my phone because everything on my phone is uploaded to like my accounts or whatever so i can get another phone and within the hour it's i have the same thing i had two I just hours think about
1: i just think about the most aggravating thing of trying to figure out how to get all the things back the way they were It just like it makes uh, me itchy you know
3: Yep, so and then they go, was. "What was your password?" And I go, "I don't know." <laughs> 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 That's
4: really every password <laughs> to get a new phone. It's ridiculous.
3: I hate it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's pretty
0: crazy. What else do we have to talk about? I've got one, I don't one know. question. Were you around for the uh, Underground Two days of Koenig?
1: The Underground Two. Talk about Maybe. the video game.
0: Need for Speed
2: Underground 1, I've actually got it pulled up. Koenig's got the DTD glides, rewinds, uh, drones, podium, blatant, and holes on there.
1: So, yeah, so that would have been, like, circa 2005. Um,
3: Is that
2: when you started?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, basically what happens here is... Video games are actually done. You know, my guy's been taught like we should do a podcast on this. I'm like, eh, it's not that interesting. Um, but perfect so, for us. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's like, you know, video games that they're actually done like years before they come out. You know, right. so a lot of times, like, we'll get that comment quite a bit. We're still in a lot of video games, and people will be like, you know, why are the wheels so old? And it's like, well, because we gave it to them four and a half years ago. Like, yeah. You know, they needed it right away four and a half years ago. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and that happens all the time. So so that's what happens. Um, you know, you kind of they, they pick wheels. And, and sometimes they'll pick wheels for you. They'll be like, oh, we want to show these wheels. And we're like, why? <laughs> really? Because it's easier them for them, them or something? Or... I don't know. But, yeah, so so that was, uh, yeah, we were around for that.
3: <laughs> Remember and, the Koenig he- colors?
2: Mm-hmm. With a K.
3: Those, man. That yeah. spoke to me. Yeah. 2004. It was not the main SEMA, but it was the SEMA that was in uh, Jersey. IAS. Or whatever the hell. IAS. That was it. Yeah. So my dad worked in the automotive industry and um, and, and took me out there. And uh, yeah, you guys had the uh, Koenig colors, which were, they were called colors with a K, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. So, so this so is lime would be, green or This was baby.
1: Do you know what my highlight of, uh, of, of, ias was Uh
3: huh
1: in 2005 it was i got to meet funk
2: master flex (laughs) i had a funk master flex digital beats factory that i messed with on my playstation one
1: listen so you know from new york hot 97 was always like a big thing for us right um and uh you know like especially in college and you know in high school like when we were cruising around at night, you know, like, I mean, we always had like hot 97 on and Funkmaster Flex was like the guy <laughs> that like ran that at night, you know? And I remember even like, you know, when I was in college and coming, you know, I, li- I went to school in Northern Jersey and I so I'd come home, which so I always had, you know, obviously had to drive through the city. Um, you know, especially after nine 11 and all these different things, like, you know, it just, um, being able to have like Funkmaster Flex was a thing. So in 2005, when he was there, and I heard it, I was like, I went, I went and sat in line. <laughs> really? Like, and I'm not like a super. Um, I've met a lot of celebrities, like the same way you guys have. Like, you know, just you, it's the nature of kind of being around, whether it be booth signs or whatever. You meet a lot of people, and yeah, uh, and, and 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 I've always been pretty immune to that. But there was something so like, I just want to, I want to be able to meet the person face to face that I've been listening to, like my what feels like my whole life. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, did you like really talk to him or did you just like pose for a picture or we didn't even have phones back then that took pictures, but we, like,
1: no, we did. We did pose, uh, my wife now, who was my girlfriend then, uh, she, uh, she actually was there too. So she, she, we got in a picture together. No, I mean not what I was going to say to him. I mean, listen, the only other person I think in that, in IAS that I really had a great time, uh, you speaking to for a few minutes was Steph Papadakis.
4: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay.
1: Because, you know, to me, I mean, like, Hunter, this is way before you, but like, um, you know, drag racing was like, I can't, it it was, to me, it even felt bigger than what Formula Drift feels like today, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It was like, because it was like the only thing.
2: You don't know to explain
1: that. You know what I mean? Like, Autocross was there, but it was like. Something that three people did, you know what I mean? Yeah. like, and then, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people argue with that. so so I don't mean it as a negative thing. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but so, so to see these guys that were breaking records and doing these things that just felt like unheard of, you know, with with no funding and and peanuts. Um, and then to, to know like how involved guys like Sean Carlson were with with Steph and, and and stuff like that. They're just and so I remember I I stood in line to hang out uh, and speak to him for a little bit too, just because I just felt like. And then, you know, it's funny, you know, years later now, you know, we're all in the same, you know, I don't, not in the same boat. It's not fair. Steph is like, I I
3: (laughs) I mean, like, I just mean
1: like in the industry, like where if I ran into him, not that we're friends or anything like that, but I could be like, Mm -hmm. hey, what's going on? We could have a a quick, um, a quick hello kind of conversation. But, um, you know, that's, that's kind of like my, my parts, you know, like, I mean, I think about it, like, you know, my day, like Steph and Vinny 10 and, you know, um, and, you know, and all these guys that were out there running, Lisa Kubo, like you know what I mean, like they're, yeah, those Ed Bergenholtz, you know, Ron Bergenholtz, and and so now to be, you know, friendly with with a lot of them, and you know, like Vinny Ten's like my, you know, like my uncle, you know what I mean, like really, well, I, I, yeah, well, he's out here, so I mean, yeah, uh,
0: yeah,
1: you know, I, I love the dude, and 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 so.
3: That's why I try super and, super and, super and tell, like, Hunter a lot, and I end up feeling like Grandpa or whatever, but it's yeah, like... When I was man, a kid, we drove uphill. There was only uphill. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> wait, I just wait. wish you could have seen, like, the energy that was there at the beginning, because all this stuff was happening for the first time. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like imports. Imports were the new thing. Now imports are kind of like what people do. But, like, back then, all that kind of crap was happening for the first time, and everything was just... Super wow. Yeah. What did you do before Koning? Massive back then. What's that? What's that? What did you do before Conan?
1: Um, so let's see. Um I went to college um, like I said, in northern Jersey. Uh last couple years I was so into cars, I convinced myself that uh I wanted to have my own shop, right? so me and and a buddy, we had um, basically what we did was a friend that owned a shop. Um, he we would basically borrow time from him. and okay. um, sometimes we'd we'd creep in there at night, and the deal was whatever was on the lift, if we would help finish it, then we can use the lift kind of thing. Okay. Um, so we kind of built like this side business, and then we started to build, developing an e. This is really good. Actually, this is now that I think about it. So we started developing an e-commerce website because we were like, oh, we'll we'll get the e-commerce thing up. And then what we'll do is, we, you know, we were starting to get so much side work that it, like that it was, you know, side work, but like at our business. Um, mm-hmm. So we got the business registered and a whole bunch of different things. And like we were slowly on, uh, um, you know, going our way to try to make this business. Um, and I did that for for about two years while I was finishing up my last year of school. Uh, You know, come home, I I finish my classes on Thursday night, drive through um, right after my last class, um, be home by like eight o'clock and then go right to the shop, work until probably like two or three a.m., go home, get some sleep, work the next day, like take the whole weekend because he wasn't open. Um, And and it's funny because I because the shop was actually called modified auto performance and the website that we had was uh, it's i think it's whatever map is today you know um, yeah,
3: yeah.
1: uh <laughs> it was and, and no and i'm not saying they, they took it or anything they didn't we we probably closed that we probably decided yeah. we were not going to do it far before they ever uh yeah. you know picked their name but um mm-hmm. i remember when they first came on you know started getting things together i remember thinking like like crap that could have been us but it couldn't have been us because we didn't do it <laughs> like they did it you know what i mean like um but so, so I did that for two years. Um, then I had this idea that, like, you know, I graduated college and, and stuff like that. And I had this idea that, um, that I have to do a car job. I'm not, a, I'm not an office guy. Like, right. you know, I need to be out in the field. And I don't know how I even got into it. But somebody said, you know, you know a lot about cars. You could probably be one of those adjusters, you know. Insurance? So, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I could, yeah, I could do that. It would be an easy job, you know. Yeah. So I applied uh, to Geico. And they uh, they said they hired me like they brought me in this really intense process. They they sent me away to this, you know, auto damage school for two months and right right near Washington, D.C. Holy Uh, hell,
3: two months.
1: And yeah, for two months, I I stayed down there and and they taught us to be adjusters and whatever the hell that means. And um, and then I did it for 11 months before I absolutely said to myself, uh, uh, this is the worst job
2: ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. same
1: Well, you did that too? No, no, no. I'm just saying oh, like,
2: that, that's you. not my, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. So, so what I, this is what I learned about uh, auto damage adjusting. One, it has very little to do with cars. Uh, two, <laughs> um, if you work in this area, you have to be prepared to get into fistfights. That's why I quit that. The last, my last story. Well, Oh my God. Might be a story. I, I, it was the last, it was like the last straw. I just exploded. Um, there's a, there was a, there's a bunch of guys out here that I've had. I, we had run-ins with, you know, you weren't giving them what they want and they, you know, they, they would try to threaten you out of it. Um, And so there was this one shop that was just notorious for being terrible, terrible, terrible. Like, they had all the games in the book, they would screw you any way they could. Um, And so there was this whole big thing. But basically, I ended up there. uh, And I had like, all week, this dispatch kept putting me in the same place. And, I, I, you know, I finally said, like, you know, you put me at the shop one more time, like, I'm just not gonna be able to take it. Like, I can't, I spend all day long, I get yelled at, get, you know, threatened. I'm like, they, you know, it's the whole thing's always a game. It's just, anyhow. Um, well, so then I go in one day and like he, that was the thing. They used to write the cars up to like over what you could write before the car would be called a total. Mm-hmm. And then he used to be like, No, just just write 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 as much as you can and and save it. Now I'd been there the whole week and his game was before I would leave the parking lot, they would be called because you have two days to get back for what's called a supplement. So before I would leave the parking lot, their receptionist would already be calling me saying, Oh, we have supplements on these cars. I'm like, You didn't do anything. You stop looking at them still. <laughs> you know, like they were and so they would basically write they would try to write like hundred percent of the car and then save the car so they got the work and they got paid over mm-hmm. and they would do it little by little so they tricked mm-hmm. the car over so that you couldn't total it you were so invested at that point and it was really just a, a really screwing to the customer but they just didn't realize it um and so uh i remember it was a thursday and i walked in there and i had five cars there which is a lot and i knew i was gonna be there all day and he handed me the same things or whatever and i called my supervisor and i was like look i'm like what do you want me to do with these cars? Like, I, I, I'm gonna, you know, I have supplements up the, up the ass. You know what I mean? Like, I gotta come back here for like the rest of my life. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? And he's like, are they, are they to, Like, can, are, there's something called constructive total. He's like, can you, can you total them? And I was like, I was like, I mean, I can if I use his math. I'm like, but I can't, I can't do it if I look at the car. Like, the car is nothing. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you, the car would be fine. The car would be like bumped in the front left corner. He'd be like, oh, you see the rear, how it's how it's wavy. We got to we got to pull it back out. I'm like, what, what are you looking at? Like, um, so it ended up being one of those things where um, I took all five cars that he had and I totaled every one of them. I, I just I totaled every single one of the cars. And then I walked back in and I threw all five estimates on his desk. Um, and I said, uh, they're totaled. And he goes, What? You totaled a car on me. I'm like, no, I totaled all fucking five of them. I'm like, whatever. And he lost his
2: shit.
1: He grab he grabbed the torque wrench and he picked it up and he's chased me out into the middle of the street. I mean, remember we're in we're in New York, like you know, it was close to the New York City border, um, in Queens, right there. And uh, and he's and we're ch- we're it, people cars are now like stopped and like honking and like swerving around us. And I remember like just yeah. screaming like. Like, like you do this, like my name's going to be on your shop. I was screaming and we're like (laughs) cursing at each other. And his guys are over there. And I remember thinking like, there is no good way out of this. I remember thinking like, if I run that way, he's going to hit me with a torque wrench. If I run this way, it's (laughs) it's his guys in his parking lot. Like my car is in the parking lot. Like I'm never going to, even if I get into my car, I'm never going to be able to get out of the parking lot. (laughs) So I was like, I was like, ah, F it. Like, you know, like. Safety first, I guess, right? So I run to my car, um and I jump in the car and he's at the he's pounding on the window and stuff like that, and I just put it in I, you know I started up, and now he stands in front of the hood and he's slamming on my hood, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I won't get into the explicits, but I'm like, you better move, like you move right now, right <laughs> and then and and he didn't, and next thing you know, like I just decided to go and
4: uh, (laughs) and, uh, he
1: he (laughs) kind of like jumped a little bit out of the way and I like took off and then uh, whatever. And so now as I'm leaving, I'm I'm Tuesday, he's calling my cell phone, my work cell phone, like, 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 like I call my supervisor and I'm like, tell him, like, like, you know, hey, it was coming in and coming in, coming in hot. You know what (laughs) what I mean? Like, so I drive to the office and I'm like, I'm red in the face. I'm like, like, my heart's beating a 1,000 miles an hour. Can, like, first off, I almost got beat up. Second off, I just totaled five. Cars. Like, I don't even know. Like, what, did I just break every... Like, I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> I get in there, and he's like... And he's like this old, calm, cool guy, you know? And he's like, he's like, hey, 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 sit down. You know? And I'm like, sit down? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, you know, like... <laughs> I'm like and so he's like... He's like... <laughs> I'm like, you know, I got a cheese and a torque wrench and the swing and the stuff. And then he's like... Oh, chill, out, chill out, chill out. He's like, He wasn't gonna hurt you. I was like, Are you kidding me? I was like, He's like, He's a like, guy dealing with that for my whole life. He's like, You know, listen, he's all talk. If he, he, he uh, anyhow, bottom line is, uh, it was the next day I said to them, Uh, guys, I don't think I'm cut out for this. <laughs> and they said, But you're really good at it. And I said, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, well, just reconsider it. We'll put you in what's called the drive in, which is basically like the place where you drive to go get your car inspected. It's at the office.
3: Yeah.
1: So, like, put your drive in, real low pressure. Just take some time. Just, you know, take some deep breath. You just got to learn to let it roll off your back. I'm like, he was going to hit me with a torque wrench. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, this isn't the first argument I've had where I thought I was going to get beat up, but this was the one that was like, I was being chased, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I did that for like three weeks. And then, um, I ended up buying a set of wheels for my brother. A car that I had built for my brother. Um, uh, it was a first gen uh, GSX. You know, it was a Eagle TSI. So I, I put this car together for my brother, and I wanted to get him a set of wheels. So um, my buddy's like, "Oh, I know one of the guys that works over at Koenig. So do you want us to? Uh, you want me to holler at him and see if we can, you know, get, get you a set of wheels?" And I was like, "Oh, that'd be cool." Um, so I ended up getting him some some of these wheels. Um, and I was like, "Koenig, I'm like, that's cool. Like, they're out here." And he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Hmm." So I go into their website. Like, remember this? What just happened to me? Like, I'm all traumatized. Though, it's yeah. like only day three of working the drive-in, um, and and I go into the website and I go to the contact form and I'm like, "I don't know if you're looking for a marketing guy, but I got a marketing degree and I really love cars and whole thing." And a couple of days later, um, I get a phone call. Uh, no, yeah, I get a I get an email back. And it says, Hey, Scott, you know, interested to meet you, you know, can you come in this week? And I shot back an email and said, sure. Like you let me know when, like, I don't, I don't care. Um, and, uh, and so I went in and, uh, I had a meeting with, with Rick, who is the owner and founder of Koenig and, um, and, uh, my boss, the president of the company now, Joe, uh, he was general manager at the time. They interviewed me. We had a good conversation. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I left. I get a call later, and they're like, "Hey, look, you know, we'd like to offer you this job." The money was drastically less <laughs> than I was making, um, and I just said to myself, "Well, you know, this is what I, this is. This is what we do. Like, this is what I want to do." You know? Yeah. Um, So I said, well, look, you know, if there's no wiggle room, uh, I'll take it, you know, (laughs) like great negotiating. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I show up at work. I I give that I give I give, you know, whatever my two weeks notice. They do this exit interview, take all my stuff, take my car, you know, the whole thing. Um, Show up on I have no car because I've had for a year I've had the Geico mobile, you know, (laughs) Uh, 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 So I have to go. So I end up. So all right. So I, I took I took a week off. And I decide that in that week, I got to get myself a car. So I find a buddy who his sister has a has a DSM and uh, and it was crap. And I I took the car and the engine was bad. So I put a new engine in it because I had another engine laying around and got the car working. So that's what I used (laughs) to start to start there with. Um, (laughs) And uh, and I show up at work on Monday and everybody's looking at like all the guys in my area are looking at me like I got 12 heads. Really? And I'm thinking to myself, I don't understand. Like what, can it like what what is going on? I just kept to myself the whole pretty much the most of the day and you know, just typed on the computer a little bit, and then Rick would call me into his office and we talk about some things. And but everything just felt weird. You know, yeah. like it didn't yeah. and I'm like, man, did I make the wrong decision and stuff like that? So it only took three or four days before I figured out why I was being looked at so strange. And it turns out that uh, I came in on a Monday. Friday, they had another marketing guy that worked there, and on Monday, I showed up, but he didn't.
2: Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, no. uh,
1: They apparently didn't tell him. Uh, tell, tell the guys. They let him go at the end of the day on Friday, but people were already out of the building, and wow. um, and so I came in on Monday, and they were like, one, like, hey, where's the other guy, and two... Who are you? You know
3: Here's what I mean? Uh, <laughs>
0: same. Oh,
2: cool.
3: Like oh, the so same true. thing happened to me with S3. I saw a job was available for editor of S3. And, you know, I was I was probably your same age. I was 25 or something right. like that. Yep. yep. And so I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is this for real? You know, I'm going through it. And long story short, I know I've told this story, but uh, you might not have heard it. Um it was right before SEMA. They were like, Hey man, you know, we got your application or whatever. We got your email and, um, just, you know, we're going to SEMA. So give us a couple of weeks and we'll get back on this or whatever. My dad worked in the industry. Um, my mom worked for Delta, so I could get out there for free and I could get in. And my dad was like, yeah, you need to come out here and bump into, you know, this Todd Lamb guy, the, the previous publisher. Yeah. And, um, who you might know for all I know. Anyway, yeah. uh, I, I did. I went out there and I finally built up the courage. I was only at SEMA for one day, so I, I had to do it. You know, I finally built up the courage, walked up to the booth and just talked to the first guy that I could talk to. And I was like, hey, I was wondering if Todd Lamb was here. And they're like, Oh, you know, now he's not in the booth. Why can I help you out with something? I was like, No, I saw a job for an editor position. Um and just wanted to introduce myself and it turns out it was the editor that i was talking to and in my 25 year old brain i was like this is a massive company they probably got editors you know what i mean like oh yeah and so oh, the yeah. guy was like wait wait what what wait now what he's looking for an editor and i was like yeah there's an application on monster.com very popular <laughs> site where and he's like what i i mean i'm the editor so <laughs> i was like oh well, I'm sure well, it's, it's nice to meet you, <laughs> other editor. Yeah. It turns out he was the one that was getting canned. Yeah, uh, so it was kind of super awkward, but you know, whatever. I got past it.
1: Yeah, no, I get it. It's uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's you know, this whole industry. You know, I think that the, what's interesting is the longer you're in it, the more you realize that like, and for let let this be a lesson for anybody that might, for for all two people that are still watching. um, <laughs> if you are serious about sponsorships and things like that, we all talk to each other. Like,
2: yeah.
1: like most of these marketing guys, they're, we're, you know, they're not these big companies that are enemies. Like I hang out with a lot of other people at SEMA and different places. And, and that, you know, and a lot of other, co- I mean, a lot of other wheel companies where we're friendly, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, I mean, it's no different. Like Cosmos, like, like I know I speak to Vinny once in a while and, yeah. um, I don't know like you know they like they're like they're not it's bad guys and we're not
3: against them you know
2: yeah I feel like this industry is a lot smaller than than you think from the outside
3: it is oh, when you're 20 yeah when you're 22 or whatever and you're wanting to work in here yeah you have this thing that it this vision that it's just huge and it is huge but like yeah it's a small community everybody kind of knows yep. everybody and and everybody loves what they do for the vast vast majority of us. If not, yeah, why are you? you, you up sh-
1: with well, because you don't you don't work in this industry for money.
3: No, no, right. no. Not you,
1: at all. Uh, you know, you do it. You do it purely because you know you really do love what you do, and you can make enough to enjoy. enjoy keep working, you know. Yeah, um, man.
3: But see, like I get I get all happy when we go to SEMA or something. And you see all the old guys in the hot rod section, you know, and you just know. You guys have been friends yeah. and working in this industry for probably, what, 50 years, you know? And like, yeah. like, that's awesome. Like Mike's always like, what are you gonna do for retirement? You're totally screwed. I'm like, retirement? <laughs>
2: like, the same uh, thing I'm doing now in a
3: Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I mean, Woo- Woo- wooly has got a
1: sugar mama. There's no, difference. There's, it's very yeah.
3: <laughs> true. If That's I get honestly, true. like,
4: <laughs> he's been retired for about eleven years already. I mean, <laughs> <That's> realistically.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, I'm, hey, it's I'm not so like jealous. I. It's not like I'm married for money or anything like that. First it's, off, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, I know. That's you not even say, where I was going both- with that started our businesses. She just chose a much wiser one.
1: (laughs) Listen, I I agree with you. I didn't want to uh, put that in context. I was not, that wasn't as derogatory as it seemed. But I got to be honest (laughs) with you, this is where we get, this is where we get different. If I was you, I would have been like, hey, Casey, uh, show me how to do this real estate thing.
3: Dude, yeah, well, we talk about that a lot. She's like, you should get your license. And, you know, five years ago, I was like, Nah, hang on a second. What's this thing doing? Anyway, five five years ago she's I was calling, like no. She's
1: calling you to tell you like she's like I heard right that. you know.
3: <laughs> like, she <will. laughs> She'll post that one little clip. But um He's anyway, right. yeah, so my wife's in real estate, she kicks ass. She was she's real estate agent of the year in our county and just yeah. got nominated, I think, for Georgia or something. So like she's killing it. But um, yeah, so she's always like, you should get your license. You know, and I was like, no, nah, that's stupid. But now I'm realizing that all of my car buddies are finally getting to the point where they're getting to buy house age, you know, range. And mm-hmm. I was like, shoes, I could just feed them like I already do to Casey, huh. except get some sort of commission on that. I don't want to deal with contracts, I don't want to deal with any of that. But I like the social aspect of it, it's cool. You know, I like going around. Houses are a well, lot we like just talk. We just answered that question. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to do the work.
1: I'm no, that's not right. I'll be happy to show up and BS with them.
3: That, yes, see, that's where I excel. How long have we been recording? I can BS, but like, yeah, I don't want to actually have to like, you know, do that. But I already thought of my slogan. Don't dread your home purchase.
0: <laughs> okay on that note we've been going for like two yes. hours so this is the perfect opportunity to call it a day
3: so thank right. you
0: very much scott Do you Have anything else
3: scott anything else you want i mean i, I feel like we I, ended real high I, I, with the geico thing i i didn't know
1: where we were going when we started this thing and honestly after about two hours i don't know where
2: we've been <laughs>
0: <laughs> story of my life doesn't matter <laughs> yeah yeah, I
2: mean,
1: yeah
0: it was yeah.
2: good to see you homie
1: yeah, but no, it, listen, I appreciate appreciate coming on here. It's uh it's always good. Uh, you know, at one point, you know, I forget that we are even recording. We're just kind of yeah. BSing, right? Yeah. But,
0: I mean, I guess that's like, what our podcast is about, you know. We kind of bounce around yeah. like really what we want to do, but at the end of the day, we just want to bring um the people who want inside the industry and, you know, show them a little love about what it's like but, behind yeah. the scenes. And I think that's kind of what it's about. Um, uh, but anyway, Scott, you guys are really trying to amp up your digital presence at Koning. So, um, what Brian. do you guys have going on for the people that are curious?
1: You know, listen, I think the biggest thing for us is just that we're, we're trying to put out more visual content in the, in the way of YouTube, right? Um, we've kind of made a pact in the past, over the past two years, which is kind of crazy when we look back at it, we started a podcast like two years ago, um, And, you know, we decide. you know, it it goes through its things, you know, like obviously it's, it's kind of taken shape and formed and stuff, but, um, you know, we, we've really, in addition to the podcast, we're, we're putting out, you know, about three pieces of content a week. Um, you know, one of them on Friday, every Friday is kind of like a wheel tech slash entertainment type piece. Um, we put out the podcast on Wednesdays and on Tuesday we're doing this thing, um, called kickback, which is like a weekly recap, which we're letting Joey Redmond do. Um, so so I think it's just really a matter of we're trying to come up with a lot more content that's really specific to uh, to automotive in general. So it's not just it's not it's it's you know mo- most of it's not about Koenig. it's about you know, wheel information, wheel tech stuff that really people don't know. We're kind of peeling back the curtain on, you know things you need to pay attention to, like we talked about load rating and different things. You know we're putting that stuff out there just to make sure that pe- people have a factual source. Like, do you need hub rings? Like, it sounds simple, but you know there's a lot of you know you read the internet, you you know which way do you go? So mm-hmm. we're putting that stuff factually. It has nothing to do with our wheels, but um, but uh, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. So if you guys are still watching, uh, go over there and subscribe. Check it out
0: so Koenig Wills USA right on pretty much yep. everything
1: yeah on a lot of stuff but yeah you can search right. us we cool. come cool.
0: up so there you have it Koenig Wills cool. go check them out um, once again we're S3 Magazine S3Mag.com uh, other than that any last notes from anybody good to go mm-hmm. alright guys well we'll see you next time thanks for watching he's out appreciate you